You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're live with myself, Talibman, and Dr. Tariq Badra. Uh, we're here in our studios uh, at uh, Voice of Islam in South London, bringing you, as usual, two very interesting topics um, for our two hour slot today. So we're talking about. Uh, in the first hour, we'll be talking about vaping and I suppose, you know, dispelling some of the uh, misconceptions around vaping. Is it is it safe? Is it not safe? Uh, we'll be looking into that topic. Uh, and in the second hour, uh, we'll be looking at witchcraft. So I suppose we thought, I suppose in the UK, that it was a thing of the past. You know, in medieval times, you see these uh, or you have this uh, idea of witches with pointy hats. But actually, it is... Um, a manifest even in the 21st century here. So we'll be looking at those two topics in our next two hours. But uh, it's an honor for me to present with Dr. Bajasat, uh, our first time, and uh, I'll actually get uh, uh, some some kind of inside knowledge into Dr. Tariq Bajwa because he's a medical doctor. I just want to know, what is the best tip currently in the heat wave that we're experiencing? What's the best tip to keep, keep one's uh, body temperature down? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Talib. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to <laughs> to be sitting with you today, presenting this program. And uh, it's quite interesting topics you have today. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the heat wave, uh, so to say, uh, uh, I just remember back home, I come from Pakistan, and, mm-hmm. I mean, this temperature would be considered reasonably uh Good Comf- temperature, comfortable, uh, right? <laughs> comfortable, <laughs> and uh, didn't feel. But uh, somehow the heat here is is a bit too strong when you go mm. out, and um, you have to take care of uh, particularly the hydration mm. because uh, people do collapse. They get heat exhaustion. They get heat stroke. They mm-hmm. get, um, um, and most of the symptoms are because they are not used to it. Mm. So your body needs to adjust to mm-hmm. these, and if it is a sudden change. Where uh, I mean, in this uh, country, um, people are not uh, very used to this this kind of temperature, so mm-hmm. they have to. And also, well, they're very happy and they want mm-hmm. to expose themselves to uh, to get yeah. as much vitamin D as vitamin possible. Vitamin D, yeah. You uh, look at me in my uh, shorts. Lots of ultra, <laughs> uh, ultraviolet uh, light there, yeah. and uh, you know the um, uh, people are are familiar with the UV screen. Um, creams yeah. and uh, sort of uh, barriers mm-hmm. which need to be used because um, all of it, you know, I've seen people uh, come with a burnt mm-hmm. skin and just because they're yeah, because just for I, too I long, suppose they're not used to it in this they're, country. They're not that, used to it. So, in, so I, I think one that uh, you know you should. Um, be careful that you mm-hmm. you get a break in between, even if you are exposing yourself to heat. Don't uh, do it constantly. Mm-hmm. Get a break in the shed. Um, if you get a source of water near you, go and have a dip inside, mm-hmm. yeah. and also <laughs> drink plenty of fluids. Mm. And as regards fluids is concerned, um, you also 
should remember that when you are sweating, mm-hmm. you are losing electrolytes as well, okay. along with your water. So simple, mm-hmm. plain water. Um, sometimes it's better to add some salt and sugar in mm-hmm. it. Um, that makes it like just like oral rehydration salt. Mm-hmm. So um, particularly the children, they have the, the ratio between the water and their body. They do, do need more water and mm-hmm. elderly especially as well. Mm. Uh, and uh, the problem with the elderly is that they don't feel the thirst. Mm-hmm. So you have to actually um, tell them Almost that you, you need them to, to, you, to yeah, or remind them or remind constantly. them at least that um, you know you need water, oh. you need to drink. Uh, and that's how you can you can avoid the coyotes. Mm. But I think that uh, still you can enjoy the heat because mm-hmm. it really comes and, and it should be celebrated. Yes, yes, it's true, <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I've personally, over the years, uh, you know, I was born here, found that, yes, the summers, although they're getting condensed, but they're getting more intense in that they sense. Are, yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, and, you know, yeah, the, whether it has to do something with the global warming or not, but, I'm but sure definitely the, the, the weather has changed. You yeah. see, you <laughs> said global warming. That's a no-no. It's, it's, we, we, are, we know that it's global warming. It's called climate change now, yeah, isn't yeah, it? So it's absolutely. foretold that. Uh, but yeah, you know, to all our listeners out there, you know, words of wisdom there from Dr. Bajra, um, just be careful, uh, especially this weekend, because I think we're forecast yeah, to have very, maybe very up to 40 degrees, which will be sweltering and scorching heat. But uh, yeah, slip, slap, slop. That's a n- nice little catchy phrase. So slip, uh, slip on a hat, slap on some suntan lotion and... Uh, what did I say? Slip, slap, yes. Uh, no, slop was the suntan slop. lotion yeah. and put on a shirt. But without further ado, we're going to jump into our first topic of the day, So, which is vaping. Is it actually risk-free? Now, according to the Office of National Stats for the UK, over the past few years, the proportion of 18-plus uh, adults who are currently smokers has actually decreased, whereas the prevalence of e-cigarettes or vaping uh, cigarettes uh, has steadily increased. Now, uh, it's increased actually to, and, and the, the weird thing is regarding this, that um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the percentage that, uh, or the demographic that has increased in, sm- in vaping is that, you know, there are actually 3.6 million adult vapors in Great Britain currently, right? Now, this is according, uh, and this was uh, in 2021. Uh, and that number accounts for just over 7% of the population. Now, uh, th- these statistics are uh, not that interesting in themselves, but it's when you look at the demographic, because the biggest proportion of increase, uh, of rate of increase, is those between 18 and 39. So it's been actually taken up by the young, you know, the, younger, the younger, side, younger, younger generation. generation. Yeah, of course, yeah. And um, you see, the thing is that... Uh, if we have, we have to uh, look uh, at a broader picture mm-hmm. that overall um, there has been a successful campaign in the UK regarding uh, the uh, to stop smoking mm-hmm. and uh, making people aware of the dangers associated with with the tobacco and um, so that that has led to people trying to find a way how to get rid of their habit of smoking mm-hmm. and uh, this is uh, in, in this attempt, uh, some of them they have migrated to vaping. Form, mm-hmm. You know, finding it that oh well, this is this is a good way. One, it is um, less expensive. Second, 
it has become sort of a trend fashion as well. Uh, while you're smoking, you've got some flavors. People hate you because of your, if you're smoking, you, if you go nearby somebody who doesn't smoke, mm-hmm. um, and the smokers usually do not have that kind of idea how bad they smell. Yeah, they have that aroma. Uh, they, that aroma around them. Yeah. And, and they, they, they don't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once they stop it, Mm. Later on, and I've seen more than one people telling me that when they used to smoke, mm-hmm. they didn't realize that it is yeah. so bad. Yeah. And now they cannot tolerate mm-hmm. anybody who's mm-hmm. a smoker mm-hmm. in that room or nearby. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will refuse to sleep in that room if somebody is a smoker. Yeah, there. because that's the thing. When you, uh, I mean, I, I go into properties whereby uh, you can tell straight away when you've walked into someone's bedroom and they're a smoker. Yeah. A, it's that that omnipresent kind of yeah. like uh, smell of smoke, yeah. Yeah, smell definitely. of uh, nicotine. But also there's that tar, <laughs> the kind of like the, the, you can see it in the, in, you know, in, in the paintwork around, yeah. the, around yeah. the room. Yeah. Uh, and they themselves are not that accustomed. Now, interesting enough, you like saying, you know, a lot of ex-smokers are using, uh, I suppose, e-cigarettes to maybe help them, uh, you know, stop smoking. Yeah. Uh, and quit. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, 65% of vapors are actually ex smokers. So if you think, you know, I just quoted 3.7 million. Yeah. You know, over yeah. 65% of those 3.7 million are actually trying to quit smoking. So yeah, I suppose it's a, it, there is a positive in the negative. Yeah, obviously, the intention is not bad. Mm-hmm. Yet, people sometimes are, um, you can't say naive, but they are not aware that still. You know, they can't just carry on because, you know, some people, they they start it for the sake of stopping smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, even some of them, and, and particularly the youngsters one, they are um, just attracted by it because uh, one uh, it can be its flavor mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's just nice. And, it's, and then they also have a feeling that oh it is not dangerous it's it's harmless let's mm-hmm. uh, you know let's try it it's, it's risk uh, free uh, yeah. yeah it's risk free so so w- what's the harm you can still you know be with your peers and just mm-hmm. uh, you know the smoke coming in and out you know and they they enjoy that as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so so one factor is definitely that they are they think that it is risk free whereas it is not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is not 100% risk free it mm-hmm. still has risk uh, although the risk may be less than smoking yeah. cigarettes um or using tobacco because yes you are still consuming nicotine mm-hmm. uh, you although you have taken away much more harmful um ingredients out mm-hmm. of it because they are directly associated with the cancer mm-hmm. but the damage still is there because of the other cons- con- uh, yeah you don't know what what's actually happening because the, uh, i suppose the, the mechanism of vaping is that you have these liquids these vaping liquids of which are atomized and then you 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 ingest those you know you you, you yeah you ingest those uh those vapors now, who's to know? Because I think yeah, vape, vapors, e-cigarettes are still quite a new phenomenon. So who's to know what exactly happens when those chemicals are uh, atomized and then you yeah. ingest those, those, yeah, yeah, those vapors in, so, into so your lungs? So what happens is that this, this uh, um, uh, whatever, whatever equipment they use, this is uh, uh, the vaping instrument. They it has got a battery and this battery heats up this liquid mm-hmm. and this liquid contains nicotine. 
Mm-hmm. Mind you, it's not nicotine that, you know, because you are avoiding nicotine is the content. It depends on the what sort of percentage of nicotine it is. You know, up to 55% people are using nicotine because nicotine is the one which is which makes you addicted. Mm-hmm. And uh, nicotine is the one which is associated with the um, with feeling good when it goes to your brain. The brain has the receptors. Mm-hmm. The receptors are, these are the dopamine receptors. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you smoke and nicotine reaches your brain receptors, the dopamine is released. That's what makes you feel good and feel mm-hmm. high. So um, what happens is that the first time these receptors, they receive a certain amount of nicotine. Next time they will demand more because they can't mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. the same it's amount of dopamine is released uh, every time you have to increase the dosage. And, mm-hmm. and that's why that that part of it is still there. And that is mm-hmm. why you have a good chance that you will get addicted to this one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another um, factor which is more dangerous, yes, it doesn't cause cancer to the to that level, but um, it contains a constituent which is, which is named as diacetyl. Mm-hmm. That is that causes harm to the connective tissue right. of your lungs. Okay. So your lungs, you know, these are the sacs, and mm-hmm. they have a connective tissue which which keeps them together. These are the air sacs. Mm-hmm. So the connective tissue which is in between co- is fibrosed. Mm-hmm. And that means that they, there is scarring. Okay. And you can get a condition is called a popcorn lung. Right. Popcorn okay. is but just like their appearance is like popcorn. As I was gonna say, that doesn't sound too menacing. <laughs> <laughs> popcorn, so, a nice thing. So, so, so that is that. That merely means that it is your lungs are scarred, okay. and and it is irreversible damage. Oh. And uh, if you are uh, if you are vaping for a long time, this mm-hmm. is particularly associated with vaping. Mm-hmm. Then you can um, actually damage your lungs as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, for it is a good thing that you. Um, you turn to vaping in order to stop smoking, but then you have to do what you have yeah, exactly. to you do. Yeah, exactly. You have to stop rather than just carrying on exactly. with that. You have to use that, uh, I suppose, that, that methodology to finally stop. Yeah, absolutely. Really. And another thing which is, uh, which is harmful is, and people are not aware, particularly in the adolescent, uh, you know, your, 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 your mind is developing well, throughout your life it is, but mm-hmm. uh, it says up to 25 years, your brain is still forming new synapses. Right. And that means that, that it is storing um, the uh, information it is getting and the learning process is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And this ability, this is the learning ability that you can retain information, you can solve problems, mm-hmm. and this is through these synapses which are being formed. Now, when your uh, when nicotine reaches brain, it interferes with process, this process, and it can affect in the long term, it can affect your brain. Oh, okay. So it is like on the chemical level, this is what the change is going on mm-hmm. in your brain. So particularly people with the, with the age up to 25, mm-hmm. this is more dangerous because it can cause effects on your brain as well. Mm, okay. So very, uh, in, in terms of, I suppose, you know, what you've, uh, I suppose, brought to the front of my mind and my synapses is that, you know, uh, one should actually choose an Islamic way of doing things. So, you know, never too much of a good thing. Always, you know, in, in, moder- in moderation. In moderation, right? yeah, yeah, But right. actually looking at, in terms of uh, Islam, so in the Holy Quran, chapter 2, verse 196, it actually states, and spend for the cause of Allah and cause not yourselves into ruin with your own hands. 
and do good. Surely Allah loves those who do good. Now, Islam strongly promotes, uh, or sorry, prohibits those acts which are harmful for us and for others. Smoking or vaping can fall into both these categories. So, yeah, we've looked, uh, you know, Roughly, I suppose uh, we skirted on the outskirts of vaping, but what exactly is an e-cigarette or a vape? Uh, and I think uh, Dr. Budger has like, really quite uh, given us a detailed explanation as to how uh, how these, these these devices work. Um, so, yeah, there are many reasons uh, why people choose to vape uh, rather than opting for the regular cigarette. And you know, we've we've even said that you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's for a lot. Sixty-five percent of those that vape. RX smokers, so they're looking for, uh, I suppose, a bridge, you know, a crossover to actually trying to, to, to give up smoking in themselves. But um, you know, if we look at look at it from an Islamic point of view, now Islam advises against wasting money on such things. Now the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, uh, had said, "Allah forbids you to trade gossip, and to ask too many questions, and to waste money." So. That's pretty much, you know, as it's as it said, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Yeah, and these things, if you think about it, if you were actually, a, I mean, we're not talking about cigarette smoking, but I can't imagine what the cost of a packet of cigarettes is nowadays. But even uh, if that were a choice uh, to pick vaping over uh, your traditional cigarettes, it's a waste of money. Yeah, it is. But, but, you know, when you compare, they say that um, it's much cheaper as compared to the cigarette. Mm-hmm. And you need like about 1,500 puffs uh, to equalize with one cigarette. So really? obviously, yeah, yeah. And wow. it is much cheaper on overall. <laughs> uh-huh. Overall, when you calculate the cost, uh-huh. it is much less expensive in comparison mm-hmm. to cigarettes. And that's one reason that people also change. Yeah, for the economic benefit, to, I suppose. To, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Well, we're actually money. joined by our first guest of the day to speak more about this. So we're joined by Emma Crenshaw. And Emma uh, is a member of the European Society for the Prevention uh, Research Scientific Committee, uh, Committee, the European Nightlife Empowerment and Wellbeing Network, and the Scottish Government's Early Intervention Working Group. Uh, good afternoon. Peace be upon you, Emma. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Thank you so much for having me. So we're talking about vaping, and is it really truly risk-free? Now, vaping and e-cigarettes are, you know, options for people who wish to cut down or actually stop smoking however does does it actually have the potential for harm i mean specifically addiction addiction and potential poisoning of oneself now can you tell us and our listeners uh more about this and the actual you know inherent dangers of vaping absolutely so a lot of the dangers aren't actually known yet because vapes haven't been around for that long Mm mm-hmm so the longitudinal research we need to see what the effects are through the years of somebody's life isn't really there yet. There has been some research at Harvard University that has identified damage to um, the body, but a lot of these harms are still unknown. And it's important to remember that nicotine is still a very highly addictive drug and a poison in relatively small quantities. Um, so vaping products are readily available and aggressively marketed, just like cigarettes and tobacco use. Vaping liquids are highly concentrated and pose a risk of serious harm or even death by poisoning if they're not stored securely. For example, if they're not kept away from food or if they're not produced with a childproof seal. So 
if anyone swallows a liquid or spills it on their skin, it's very important for them to seek medical attention. And obviously, vaping can help and has helped a lot of people cut down on their tobacco use, which is really important. Smoking from tobacco remains the largest single risk factor for death and years of life lost to ill health. And it's a leading cause of health inequalities in England and the rest of the world. But we can't ignore the harms of vaping as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so, Emma, um, obviously, you know, people, they turn to um, vaping from because they're trying to uh, quit mm-hmm. smoking. So do you think this advantage of vaping outweighs the disadvantages it may have on health? I think we still need to learn a lot more because obviously it's very important that people can cut down on smoking if they want to. And as the gentleman was saying previously, if it's something that costs them less money, then that can actually reduce harm in other areas of their lives as well because we're all facing a cost of living crisis and we know that people on the lowest incomes always experience the worst health inequalities. So there are definitely some benefits, but what we have to remember is that the risk is the way vaping products are now being marketed as a safer and especially as a cleaner so-called alternative could actually encourage people who see cigarettes as unsafe or unclean to take up vaping. And this might be people, you know, who have never considered smoking tobacco, for example, young people. So the flavors are similar to the ingredients um, used in food or sometimes the same ingredients or flavorings used in food. And they're designed to be much more appealing than tobacco smoke. So we had years and years of health campaigns to highlight the dangers of smoking tobacco and successful campaigns to highlight the dangers of second-hand smoke, as well as the strict regulation to ban smoking indoors. This was largely accepted by the public and cigarette sales fell, but what has happened is the tobacco industry has adapted to become the nicotine industry now, and they're buying up a lot of smaller vaping companies and spending a lot of money on marketing. Mm. So, Emma, actually, it's something that just occurred to me uh, as you were you know, uh, answering Dr. Budger on that uh, particular question. So one of those, as I remember, biggest campaigns uh, or the government campaigns was not just mm-hmm. the smoker or when we're looking at traditional cigarettes, the, not yeah. just the smoker themselves was harming themselves, but it was the secondary smoke. And say, yeah. for instance, if you were a parent, uh, you had children and you were smoking in the house or wherever uh, within the close environment of your children, you are harming those uh, your children equally. Mm. Have there actually been any studies as to um, you know the secondary smoke or the you know when when a vapor, uh, someone who's vaping, exhales uh, that vapor? Are, are there you know any uh, health concerns regarding that? Because I, I was under the understanding, looking at uh, some of the reports, that it's actually you know. Um, just steam coming out, right? There's steam coming out, and it, there, there is particulate matter in that steam that does mm-hmm. contain nicotine and a lot of other chemicals that are produced um, through the process that's needed to create the vape. So there is still a health risk there. Um, it's, it's obviously not as unpleasant for people as tobacco smoke was. It doesn't mm-hmm. make people choke in the same way. It's designed to be more acceptable, but it, it, it's under the control of substances hazardous the health regulations, for example, we, we shouldn't have vaping indoors because we still don't really know what the full effect could be on people. And also, again, it's someone else's freedom um, not to be smoking someone else's vape is, is really quite important. So we definitely need more research in that area to find out what the actual health harms are. But there is some research already to indicate that 
you know, this could potentially be quite harmful as well as being quite unpleasant for people. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, uh, do you think, uh, like with cigarettes, that the government or there should be more regulation into those companies that uh, are vaping companies and e-cigarette companies uh, to actually give guidance uh, to the general public? Absolutely. And I think those companies that want to sell these products should be the ones funding the research as well. You mm-hmm. know, our health systems are busy looking after people. So these companies that want to make a profit from selling addictive products, you know, if they're going to be allowed to sell the product, they should really be driving the research, but making sure that it's obviously objectively managed as well with, with very, very careful peer review. So selling vaping products at the moment to anyone under 18 is illegal, mm-hmm. and buying pro- vaping products for anyone under 18 is illegal as well. But we know that sometimes the law isn't enough to enforce that. People can buy products online, for example, and also vaping products, there is a loophole where these can actually be given out to people of any age. That's not controlled. So we need to support young people to learn to think critically about marketing um, and to be able to evaluate risk for themselves, especially when it comes to drugs like nicotine. All vaping products, some of which are now being sold as wellness vapes and claiming to prevent or treat other health conditions, which again hasn't really been properly researched and may very well not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, we also need the government to respond with regulation and to be agile in its regulation as well, to keep watching the industry and making sure that they're acting as responsibly as possible. Um, and making sure also that marketing and vaping is, is very carefully controlled because, you know, in America, jewels have recently been banned from advertising because the take-up from young people was, 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 was worrying people mm. in terms of their health. And I think we just need to see how quickly the tobacco industry has adapted to become the nicotine and the vaping industry. Mm. Mm. It's know, almost like rebranding itself. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we, we regulation has to keep pace with that if mm. we're going to be doing our duty to protect people. But Emma, do you think you know this lack of re- regulation or lack of, um, uh, I suppose, uh, due diligence from the government is because they're not really getting the tax revenues from vaping? That's such a good point. That could really be what's behind it because what we've seen in you know, the tobacco industry as it was, mm-hmm. the government was able to regulate very, very heavily. Um, they did take significant tax revenues from the sales of cigarettes. And I think that combination of educating the public about the dangers of secondhand smoke, the health dangers of smoking, plus the regulation was effective. So we really need to think about you know, the preventive spend, because if we don't spend money on this now, if we don't pay attention to this now, there's potentially going to be a significant new health problem further down the line, which is going to cost us a lot more money. And most of all, is going to, you know, cause ill health and take people away from us before their time. Mm. Because, I mean, I was looking at some of the stats earlier on uh, regarding vaping and uh, year on year, vaping or has actually increased uh, or the take-up of vaping and e-cigarettes have increased. Yeah. The only time, the only year where it actually, uh, I suppose, stalled somewhat was the in 2020, uh, since mm-hmm. the inception of e-cigarettes. And that was because of, uh, in America, CDC actually coming out and saying, look, you know, it is harmful. Uh, you know, it does have implications for uh, your lungs. And I think there is something in, they attributed something in the region of 68 deaths to e-cigarettes. So, um, and that, that was in the States. 
whereas yeah. you know these figures that I I, I was uh, looking at was actually based in the UK. So mm-hmm. you know it's it's I, I think it's unfortunate that uh, currently the market for vaping and you know you've pointed it out now Emma that uh, a lot of these uh, big tobacco uh, or traditionally tobacco companies have moved into uh, the vaping market and it's almost like uh, a silent takeover because we don't know of you know these tobacco industries yeah so you know it it is i suppose uh from your point of view the best best way to move forward is to have more regulation more government um intervention regarding this absolutely and the government should be taxing the products as well because we know that the products are going to take their toll on people's health mm-hmm. we don't exactly know what the full extent of that is but as you say there's already been um proof of the damage to lungs there's also some concern about what it might do to your liver and your kidneys as your body processes these products. So we should be taxing the products, we should be regulating, we should be educating as well. Because remember that in the 50s and 60s, cigarettes were marketed as, as being beneficial mm-hmm. and as being health-promoting. And, you know, the industry had a vested interest in that. It's a profit-driven industry. It's not a health industry. So that's where the government has to intervene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. I totally agree with that. Well, Emma... Uh, thank you for uh, joining us today on the Drive Time Show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at voiceofislam.co.uk if you are a vapor. and or uh, what, what I mean by vapor is a person who vapes <laughs> not a vapor in itself <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah if, if you yeah. yeah 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 just uh if you want to get involved in a conversation if you, f- you yourself feel that it's risk-free or you yourself have actually felt that uh your health has declined because you are using e-cigarettes please call us on 0208 and uh join in the conversation but um you know some of the things, points, yeah, and I think this is the, the, the problem with the vaping market is that it is unregulated in a certain extent. Don't you, don't you agree? Yeah, uh, I think it's the same case that, you know, when, when the things start, in the beginning people don't realize where it's going to go because mm-hmm. everything you will start, obviously um, you are naturally inclined to um, to finding where you can benefit out of it. And there are reasons behind it. Like people now are looking for a solution to their smoking problem. And as a result, they've got into um, vaping. We are not uh, fully aware of what are the dangers yet. Uh, I think with time and people will realize, as they say, that the, the active ingredient of uh, the vapes is also nicotine. Mm -hmm. And nicotine is the main component of both traditional cigarettes as well as e-cigarettes. And you haven't got rid of that basic active Mm -hmm. addictive substance. And And that is what causes addiction. Yeah, and exactly uh, at the top of the show, you you were like, uh, you know, indicating about how nicotine is that, you know that chemical yes. component which which causes addiction and any type of addiction and, and, is bad for and us. nicotine itself is that that okay it doesn't cause cancer directly mm-hmm. but it increases your heart rate when you mm-hmm. take it as a result of that it raises your blood pressures it mm-hmm. re- increases the adrenaline mm-hmm. in your body 
that uh, that leads to high blood pressure that leads to your more stress on your heart mm-hmm. so the basic problem that it is physically affecting you as well mm-hmm. and in addition your your brain is becoming dependent on it mm-hmm. so the more you smoke the more you are likely mm-hmm. to to um, to develop and because it affects your brain it 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 can affect your behavior mm-hmm. so the the behavioral problems particularly the adolescent when your brain is developing mm-hmm. they can that can be a big well uh, we know i mean you know factor. like effectively it's a drug it's right? a drug yeah so yeah, you know when you uh become addicted to drugs uh, and then you try giving up the drugs you have cold turkey and you know depending on your body's response to that it can be a multitude it can be uh, as simple as just i don't know being grumpy right yeah. and having not uh, a yeah, good day yeah, yeah. It can, it can or it can be at the other end of the uh, spectrum being kind of quite agitated yeah and you know being harmful to maybe yourself or to others yeah uh, if you look at more you know in terms of i mean i wouldn't equate it but i suppose you have to because it's in the family of drugs so you're looking at um you know class A drugs you're looking at alcohol these are all drugs yeah and if taken to the extreme ultimately they are uh, so detrimental to that person and using particularly them. the children you know they they are in education and they, this uh, one statistics from again united states is that uh, 2 million middle and high school children mm-hmm. in the united states they reported using e-cigarettes in Uh, last year 2021 mm-hmm. with more than 80% of them they you, they were using flavored e-cigarettes uh, and uh, obviously uh, uh, this is this is one reason as well the people think oh it doesn't smell bad it is you know nice mm-hmm. smell just for the sake of that you know they But, they, they join mean, the group <laughs> you know you kind of like uh, with all due respect to you dr baja you are slightly older than me right yeah, yeah sure huh? but we still yeah. remember what well, i still remember as a kid seeing these um adverts right for smoking on airlines and it gave that glamorous uh, look uh, yeah. yeah even that, the movies you yeah, know when the, you saw you the know, movies Cary Grant the and uh, yeah. all these big big stars yeah, yeah would yeah. be holding a cigarette and it would be uh, an accoutrement of uh high style right yeah and so i suppose the modern equivalent is this oh you know it's quite trendy to vape and it's not even harmful right So why not? You know, and you get that, you know, as you said with adolescence, there's always peer pressure as well. So instead of you like choosing the correct way, which is well actually, you know what? Why should I be putting something harmful or potentially harmful into my body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, you'll get other kids like saying, well, you know, you're a bit of a loner, why aren't you vaping? You know, why don't you try? And it's the usual kind of uh rubric that goes into you know being an adolescent i suppose yeah but the thing is that uh, you know th- they have done research and now they are they are they are able to tell like there is a um a michael blaha who's the director of clinical research at mm-hmm. john hopkins center for prevention of heart disease he said that there is an emerging data which suggests that uh, there are links uh, to chronic lung disease and asthma okay um which is association between the dual use of e-cigarettes and smoking and obviously it it is uh, a risk to your cardiovascular system as well leading to uh, more heart attacks as well so there is a physical association of the harmful effects of uh, even mm-hmm. e-cigarettes so it is not as 
benign as it was supposed to be mm. and um, so people getting um, involved into it so uh, if they go with a purpose to get rid of the cigarettes they should get rid of it as well mm-hmm. there's no point you know that from one addiction you move to another one <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> yeah exactly you're just replacing one with another which is which will most probably kill you a bit later right as opposed to sooner so unfortunately you know that's that's one of those things really um but yeah to speak more regarding uh you know this uh, our or vaping is it risk-free we've got our next guest uh, on today uh, fiona spargo mabs now fiona is the director and founder of drug uh, education charity the daniel spargo mabs foundation uh, which she set up in response to the death of her 16-year-old son, Dan, from MDMA ecstasy in 2014. Now, the charity works with schools across the UK where vaping is a consistent concern. Now, they are currently in the midst of putting together actually a resource pack for schools specifically on vaping uh, for this specific reason. Uh, peace and blessings be upon you. Fiona, thank you for joining us today on the Drive Time Show. Hi, and thanks for inviting me on. <clears throat> no, um, yeah, no, 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 thank you for joining us. Um, now, we're talking about vaping, and is it completely risk-free? Now, a lot of young people are you know, attracted to vaping, you know, the stylized mm. uh, use of it nowadays, yeah? Uh, and, you know, there are many reasons why. It's the, you know, the flavors, uh, the variety, uh, the colors, you know, and and. Obviously, the low cost, yeah, compared to vis-a-vis cigarettes. Mm. Now, many assume that there's very little harm in vaping, and uh, it's a better option than traditional uh, cigarettes. Now, is that truly the case? No, and I, I'm afraid I haven't been able to tune into the rest of your program. But I mm-hmm. caught just the last five or ten minutes, and you've been hearing a lot of about the health harms that there are, the the unknown risks, mm-hmm. some risks that are known, and some that aren't yet known. Um, but the 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 public health messages around it, which is that it's better than smoking, but with smoking cigarettes, the bar is so incredibly low in terms mm. of the vast array of health harms that there are from burning tobacco um, that the, the it, it's the, as I it's a very low bar. So it being better than that doesn't mean that it's risk free, and it mm-hmm. and of course it contains nicotine, which I know you've been talking about as well, which is incredibly addictive. But it's the unknown impact of inhaling unknown chemicals or chemicals that change their um their for what they you know their their form they they, there's Mm -hmm. so much that's different with tobacco you've got tobacco you know that's that's there are different varieties of tobacco but it's fairly much it's got all sorts of stuff in that's really harmful but with vapes with there are so many different flavors and so Mm -hmm. many different brands and so many different chemicals that are involved that's even before you get to the unregulated vapes Mm. um, and vaping devices as well but it's 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 really difficult for for young people to to um, not to grow i mean they're not not that young people are are stupid or anything but you pick things up in the ether don't you Mm -hmm. um you pick messages up and a lot of drug education is often that myth busting and getting that message through that vaping isn't safe it's not just that it's better than smoking, but that it that it is actually this benign activity that doesn't do you any harm. And and because it's particularly the flavours that when I talk to young people and say, "What is it about vaping?" It's the first thing they say is the flavours. Mm-hmm. And then of course the devices are attractive, and it's just gained a sort of popularity as well. But it's definitely definitely not risk free. 
and it's a psychoactive substance and, and you know you've got all the risks around addiction and particularly for adolescents and um, where their brain is at such a critical period of change and they're so much more vulnerable mm-hmm. to developing an addiction but also it's it's very much harder to overcome an addiction if you've developed one in adolescence because your your brain rewires anyway through a process simplistically in through the process of developing an addiction and and that can happen in a much more kind of um a much more lasting way if your brain is already rewiring itself um, and then of course there are there are concerns about whether that addiction to one substance kind of primes the brain to be more prone to, to develop an addiction to other substances which could have another whole range of potential harms to physical and mental health so kind of sort of doing that myth busting to young people is is sort of the starting point for, um, for a drug education approach mm-hmm. in terms of leaving. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, it's really, I was, I've was i talked to um, a whole bunch of year nines on um, at the end of last week, and um, so over a course of four workshops, and one of the questions I asked them, because some, the, the really interesting data, and I, apologies again, I, I don't know if you've covered this already, but the, the um, YouGov data that came out from ASH last, week mm-hmm. um, which showed that 11 to 15 year olds so these were 13 14 year olds that I was talking to um, and it showed that that ten, only 10 percent of 11 to 15 year olds had ever vaped mm-hmm. so one of the questions I asked them I was talking to them about vaping and um, and 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 being aware of what some of those risks might be and but I said to them how many 11 to 15 year olds do you think have never vaped because there's, there is a perception among adults that, that that huge, huge numbers of young people are vaping, and actually, I mean, it does get bigger as they go through their teens, but it's still really small. Mm. So I, you know, it's a hands up thing. Do you think it's fifty percent, seventy percent, or ninety percent? And virtually everybody put their hands up for fifty percent. Fifty percent had never vaped. Okay. A few put it up for seventy percent. Not one single year nine put their hand up mm-hmm. in any of those four workshops for ninety percent. But that's what it was. So there's also this shifting that social norms mm-hmm. perception that everybody's doing it because for all of us the more we think everyone's doing something the more it kind of gives us a a, a silent p- permission or encouragement it's, a, it's almost gaslighting it. isn't it is oh because they're doing it it can't be that bad mm-hmm. yes exactly and we mm. do it all the time you could mm. see it more recently with face masks on public transport can't yeah. you there was a, yeah. not so long ago you got the evils if you weren't wearing one and now mm-hmm. people look at you a bit scarce if you are yeah, so exactly we, we do it we do it all the time but for, for young people particularly i think emphasizing the fact it's not normal behavior you know most young people aren't have never ever touched a vape mm. and and a, it's very small number that are vaping regularly but that is still a concern because that has been going up Mm. And so, um, and the more easily available vapes are, and the wider variety of products and flavours and so on, um, the the more that that may well happen. Mm. So, so Fiona, you obviously you are um, you know focusing on these children, school children, and your foundation mm-hmm. is producing a resource pack for schools specifically on vaping. So, what will this include, and how will this help in raising awareness of the harms of vaping? Yeah, so well, this, this is res- in response to the concerns of schools because we're, we're, we're such a high 
percentage of the schools that we're working with at the moment are saying, please, can you say something about vaping? We're really worried about the numbers of, of students vaping. It's so difficult for us to do anything about it because it's so difficult to spot. You've basically kind of got almost got to get lucky to catch anyone doing it. And um, so we've put together what we are putting together. We've, we've done one on cannabis edibles and this is following a similar model and again that was from uh, in response to concerns from schools so there'll be a short 10 minute film for students which can be shown in an assembly or in a form time or a lesson and then a follow-up classroom activity for teachers um, to, to use in smaller groups and also 15 minute briefing for teachers which will just help teachers to be more aware of what the risks are to their pupils but also to know how to come at those messages as well in a way that will hopefully help them to kind of shift their perceptions of not only what the risks are, but also that managing their own decision-making in that social space, which can be so difficult for adolescents. And there can be different ways of coming at that message. You know, the longer-term health harms and the risks of addiction aren't always easy for young people to kind of grasp hold of. It's the kind of the immediate but can make more difference and different different um different messages will hit home with different students but so hopefully well our hope is that that will that will equip schools and um the teachers and students just to work to to be able to 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 tackle what seems as if it's, it's still a relatively small but a but a growing issue and concern and we've also actually we've just put on our website a downloadable information sheet uh, for parents mm-hmm. because it's a worry for parents as well. So if anyone wants to go onto our website and have a look, dsmfoundation.org.uk, there's a on the inf- on the the parents page. There's a leaflet that parents can download, including some tips for having conversations with their with their kids about vaping. Mm. I mean, one problem, Fiona, is that uh, with vaping and e-cigarettes is that it's so easily accessible. I mean, you don't have to go in. You can order online. Mm. You know, most probably Amazon are doing it or whatever. But I mean, it's not like uh, back in the day if you're a school kid and you're trying to get a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, you'd have to you know go into a shop. And you'd be scrutinized yeah. by the shop owner to start off with. So that is a deterrent in itself. But, you know, it's now it's so easily available. Now, do you think restrictions on this accessibility uh, of e-cigarettes and vapors or vaping uh, units may help towards protecting youngsters from its harm? I mean, do you think because it's I mean, to my understanding, it's not really regulated by the government. Well, it is regulated by the government, but, ah. but there are there are always ways of getting around that. So mm-hmm. vaping, so e-cigarettes in in the UK, there's there's quite a there's a there's a robust regulatory system. It's different from the US, where there have been very different health harms and fatalities as well that have been linked to vaping. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the UK, it is. But there are always ways around that. So there'll always be corner shops, as as we know. There was a BBC um, article out just. Um, in the last couple of days but just highlighting the number of um, small shops that aren't ID checking teenagers going in and, mm-hmm. and buying disposable vapes but as you say it's so easy to get things online mm. um, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be happening you know it is illegal to sell vaping vapes liquids and devices to under 18s um, but it's it's how that regulation where where that's falling through the regulatory holes mm-hmm. um, and of course getting access to stuff online it, it's it's difficult you know with with illegal drugs they're still available mm-hmm. um through the illegal market and still available online and available through social media 
where something's also legal, it makes it that much harder because uh, there, there's no reason why you mm. know, Amazon should be prevented from selling vaping products, but they shouldn't be able to sell them to under 18s. But age verification systems online are, are, are challenging, mm-hmm. challenging for social media companies to age verify their the users of their platforms anyway. And there's all sorts of harms that are, are, are kind of around for young people through those through those loopholes but um absolutely it's it's a really key part of prevention Mm -hmm. is limiting access it's the same for anything isn't it if i've got an enormous bar of chocolate in my in my drawer by my side in my desk i'm much more likely to eat too much chocolate than if i haven't (laughs) got any in the house as i know to my cost but uh, yeah no no reducing access is needs to be a really key part of prevention in Mm. when in relation to harm Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Fiona, one, what would you advise the schools? What they, what can the schools do to um, help the young adults from the, you know, from the harms of addiction to vaping? If if schools have people, students who they know um, have an addiction to vaping, or or kind of, I think generally making a, an awareness that the school will have a supportive response to students who have got um, an ad- developed an addiction to vaping. There really needs to be a, a supportive and pastoral response for schools. I mean, schools, schools drug policies will say that vaping isn't allowed, but if a student discloses that they've got a, an, an issue with that, then it's, it's really important that the school provides support within the school environment, within their pastoral system, but also signpost them to where to find support. And the front line of that would be their GP. Um, there might be a school nurse. Some schools still have school nurses around that they might be able to talk to. They might have a counsellor that they could talk to within the school as well. But GPs are a really good starting point and they can signpost to local services or to, to online resources as well. There's a really good smokefree.gov. It's a US government site, but there's an area there specifically for teenagers with advice around giving up vaping. So if there are young people listening or parents or educators, that's that's a useful resource. And there's some, there's quite a, a, there's a good checklist there for kind of questions to ask yourself if you might have developed an addiction but maybe not be aware. It's the, it can be a really creeping thing. It can happen quite quickly with nicotine because it's very addictive, but you, you don't always notice that from the inside. So having some questions where you can ask and reflect on your behaviors and um on your attitudes that that can be a really valuable activity for schools to to use as well if they have got concerns that students may have addiction may not be aware of it but it's really important with all of these things that that students know that their school is a place that will help them if they've got issues and concerns not one that would just punish them um, or there have to be of course there have to be sanctions but there also has to be support yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's wonderful. I think so. um, uh, um, you have given a, a lot of uh, advice to uh, our listeners, uh, and I, I think it's more like awareness to raise awareness of this mm-hmm. thing that this is happening, and it's all together that uh, you know everybody um, is uh, in the role of uh, supporting as well as 
uh, you know, putting some restrictions, uh, I think, as a whole. As we have yeah. been successful to some extent regarding smoking, the vaping should be addressed in the same way, and hopefully we'll be successful. Thank you very much for talking to us today and joining us. I, it was a pleasure, and hopefully we'll be speaking to you again in some program. Thanks for joining yes, us. Yes, it was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good Bye-bye. day. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at voiceofislam.co.uk and in talking about social media uh, we did actually have an, uh, a question on our Insta story uh, should vaping be more regulated um, and some of the answers uh, just quickly yes from uh, uh, Mosa uh, underscore uh, yeah, basically yeah, the, the, the majority of people replying to that in the story is that yes it should be regulated and I'll give you a reason why actually uh, Dr. Budger because and, and most probably the government will get involved in much more of a um, hands-on way because basically uh, vaping statistics worldwide now worldwide vaping sales reached 15.7 billion dollars in 2018. Now they're expected to reach $40 billion by 2023. So it's an expanding market. Yeah, definitely. And any no, government no. doesn't get in on that ball game. <laughs> I, uh, that's, that's one way of getting tax cuts. Uh, I believe. No, Chancellor. no, no wonder the tobacco <laughs> companies are moving on to yeah. the vaping industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've actually got a very, uh, we've got a small excerpt from uh, His Holiness, the fourth Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mirza Tahir Ahmed. Uh, and this is actually advice on smoking. So we're going to play, uh, play that for you right now. Now, our attitude is to discourage smoking. And that is all. In our town, Rabwa, it is discouraged not only individually, but we also dis- discourage it by telling people <coughs> not to smoke in public. Let it remain as an individual evil. Don't turn it into a social evil. Because the moment you begin to smoke in public, the youth would be attracted towards it. And they they would think there's no taboo, there are no taboos, and so on. So, uh, right from the childhood, they would be drawn into this habit. They would see the the, the elders enjoying smoking, you know, in a manner as they were they're impressed by it. So this is what we do. But elsewhere, we tell them these to abstain from it because it's injurious to you yourself. It's, it's, it's not healthy. Wine and alcohol, of course fall into the category which are forbidden, very strictly forbidden. Um, uh, it's very interesting that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as regards Islam, Islam is a very balanced religion and it, it uh, uh, the beauty of the teachings uh, of uh, Islam is that uh, it gives you um, the answers which arise to you know many questions which arise if 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 it is telling you not to do something it gives you logic behind it mm-hmm. like when it has forbidden the um, the uh, wine and the alcohol and also the um, gambling mm-hmm. it says well there are some benefits in it mm-hmm. but the the um, bad things the evils are more 
are then outweigh the good things. The they benefits. outweigh that, and that's yeah. that's that's why God advises you that you should not um, uh, indulge into it, and it becomes in, unlawful. So similarly, um, Islam generally tells us that you know you you should avoid things which are vain things, which mm-hmm. doesn't have a purpose, which doesn't which are not beneficial for you you should try to avoid that as well so um, um, so there is a hadith of the saying of the holy prophet um, prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him he says what is lawful is evident and what is unlawful is evident and in between them are the things doubtful which many people do not know so he who guards against doubtful things keeps his religion and honor blameless and he who indulges in doubtful things indulges in fact in unlawful things just as a shepherd who pastures his animals around a preserve will soon pasture them in it beware every king has a preserve and the things um, Allah has declared unlawful are his preserve beware in the body there is a piece of flesh if it sound if it is sound the whole body is sound and if it is corrupt the whole body is corrupt and that is your heart. Mm. So, um, so these are the things which are they, they like uh, borderline things that they 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 are not f- considered haram or forbidden. Mm-hmm. So, smoking is one of those, mm-hmm. but it does ca- cause so much harm to you mm-hmm. that it is generally advised that you should you should avoid having that. And there is a fam- famous uh, uh, incident that. Um, uh, um, uh, there was a companion of the promised Messiah, the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hamid Ali. Um, uh, the uh, promised Messiah noticed that he goes to another house to smoke hookah. Mm-hmm. Hookah is, you know, like shisha. Then, yeah, like shisha, time. yeah. But, but then he gave him some money and he said that, go and get bring your own hookah. Don't go to somebody else to mm-hmm. smoke. And he brought it. But after six months, you know, when then he advised him to stop it. And he immediately stopped it. Mm-hmm. So there is, with wisdom, you can mm-hmm. tell him, uh, tell people that yes, is no. Otherwise, you know, you could have said very strictly that you don't use it. But mm-hmm. there is a wisdom which is associated with like it. Like a step-by-step step method. By step. But very well said. So we're going to go to the news. Please join us after when we will be uh, looking at witchcraft. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show, Wednesday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Dalit Man, and Dr. Tarek Bajra. And we're actually joined by some uh, new imams uh, in the waiting. Uh, hopefully. God willing, they will become uh, presenters on Voice of Islam. Muneeb and Anis. Anis? Anis. Anis, sorry. See, we get it wrong, right? That's live radio for you. But uh, on our second hour, actually, we're going to be uh, dealing with witchcraft. So, uh, you know, one would have thought that, uh, especially in the UK or England, you know, witchcraft was a thing of the past in medieval times. You like see, um, you know, the test back in the day, uh, was to if you were declared a witch, they'd throw you into the village pond, and uh, if you survived, you floated. You're a witch. 
which then was heresy and you would be burned. Uh, if you sunk and died, then that proved your innocence. So it's a bit of kind of like a double-edged sword, right? You, it's basically a lose-lose kind of situation. So with that in saying, uh, you would have thought, you know, it's witchcraft doesn't, it's, it's on, it's, it's uh, back in the day, right? It doesn't exist nowadays or that uh, it only kind of populates TV or uh, Hollywood films. But Unfortunately, you know, belief in witchcraft has been linked to abuse, assaults and threats to kill. Uh, and unfortunately, in particular, of num a number of children being abused because of such beliefs. Uh, and it's actually back on the rise in the UK. Now, according to local government association, child abuse related to such be uh, beliefs increased from a fa 1,460 cases to 1,950 uh, and these uh, were between 2016 uh, to 2018. Now, this represents a 34% increase. Now, the National FGM Centre, which is run by Bernardo's and the local government association, has listed uh, different types of superstitious beliefs uh, that followers of different religious groups have believed in. It's traditionally accepted in some Christian beliefs that demons... Yeah, that's right. Demons or the devil act through children and lead them astray. Uh, the concept of Dankini, uh, meaning the female spirit or demon, is also known in the Hindu context. And, you know, we've seen those evil eyes. Now, the evil eyes traditionally known uh, in some Islamic faith contexts. Uh, just to give you an idea in terms of uh, Islam, I'm just going to play you a short audio clip now. Uh, of the uh, fourth Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mizra Taha Ahmad, uh, regarding uh, the belief of something called the jinn. The fundamental character of the word jinn, as understood from the Arabic dictionary, is something which hides you, which escapes your sight. So, according to the Arab lang Arab Arabic language, all such people who live in mountains, who generally escape the sight and knowledge of the people living ordinarily in the plains, they are also called jinns. Such people who are called big people, who generally avoid contact with the commoners and the masses, they are also called jinns. Even women are called jinns, those who observe Parda, of course, not uh, the ladies here, I mean, generally speaking, because uh, the jinn, the character of the word jinn is missing here. If you keep aloof, away from common sight or common touch, then you can be called a jinn. And uh, also, uh, the snakes are called jinns. Those who hide in, uh, from the people, from the sight of other animals as well, and uh, live in underground burrows, they, because they have that character, they are called jinns. Also, according to Ahadur, the bacteria are called jinn. They also avoid sight. And that can be proved positively categorically from a tradition of Ahadur where he mentions that although normally it is said that you should have use um, 
other dry objects for cleaning yourself if you do not have water after you have gone for stools. But you should avoid use of bones. You can use stones or, or earth uh, or other thing of dry objects to clean yourself if you do not have water, like you use hair paper. But he said that you should not use bones for this purpose because that is the diet of jinns. Now, it's fantastic, absolutely flabbergasting. How could Allah conceive of bacteria at that time? <laughs> Allah must have told him that there is some harmful creature attached to this which you don't see. So, because he didn't see and he knew Arabic better than anybody else, so he used the one common word jinn for that, that being, that creature. So, now we know what he meant. But Sahaba, when, even if they didn't know, they would follow him and they, were, they benefited from that uh, obedience. So they stopped using bones because if they used it for cleaning themselves, they may convey some harmful bacteria inside the body and to, to ultimate detriment of the person himself. So this is the jinn as we understand from the Holy Quran. But I have no objection to any jinn of any form. Most welcome. But I am not called upon by the Holy Quran to believe in them. Iman Billah is a must. Iman Bil Kutab, that is the books, is a must. Belief on, in prophets is a must. Belief in the Day of Judgment and, and, and angels, they are must. But I nowhere read in the Holy Quran that a belief in Jinnai is a must. So let them be and let them not be. I don't know. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings to all our listeners out there. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show. So you're here uh, live with us again. Um, we're going to take uh, a, a guest uh, soon regarding this. But, you know, we just uh, heard the words of Riva uh, Rabbi, the, the fourth <laughs> Khalifa, sorry, the fourth Khalifa, Mirza Tara Ahmed, regarding the jinn. I mean... I'm going to check it out there to you guys because you know you you you're all there. You're you're right at the beginning of your um, journey, right into Islam, I suppose. Really, what is it about the jinn? Yeah, I mean, is it really witchcraft? Is it magic? You know, how can we explain to our listeners out there? Um, There's a stilted silence here. Let's go with Doctor Badger first. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so can you repeat your question? I've well, you know, we were just listening uh, to Khalifa, uh, the Rabbi. fourth Khalifa uh, yeah. uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And, um, you know, we, 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 he, he, he described what jinn was, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're, we're led to believe that, you know, we're humans, but are there other spirits on the earth, right? So, you know, we're looking into witchcraft and now how witchcraft has been used to I suppose point the finger at uh, kids who are supposedly possessed, right? And using religion as that vehicle uh, to, to, to pr promote this fallacy really to the truth. So in terms of Islam, yeah, could you say that, that you know, actually we are susceptible as well because, you know, there's the jinn. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because the uh, Holy yeah, Quran has... I'm here for. The Holy Quran has mentioned about the existence of jinn 
And as um, Hazrat uh, Khalifa al-Masih, the fourth, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has explained that, yes, it is it's mentioned in the Holy Quran, but uh, we, we don't doubt in their existence that the jinns exist. But jinn, the word jinn comes from something which is hidden. And um, there, there are hidden things which can be like bacteria. He has mentioned that, uh, and he has given an example that you know he said that you know don't use for um, the the bones because it's got, it's got gin in it, and gin means something hidden. It, it it meant that it could be bacteria. So we although we do not deny the existence of another creation which we which can be not visible to us is. Uh, we we don't deny that that exists because we know that they, it does exist. There are bacteria, there are viruses. We have recently going through a p- pandemic, mm-hmm. and nobody has you know generally nobody has seen unless you put under electron microscope you can't see this virus. But mm-hmm. yet it is causing a havoc. Mm-hmm. So it is doing the the gene's job because mm-hmm. that's that's what people think the genes can do this. Like you see the stories of uh, Hazrat Suleiman, uh, Prophet uh, Solomon. Um, who was also a king, and and they said that that he had jinns under control who worked for him, and these jinns were like very very powerful people who who would do things for him, mm-hmm. and uh, it was in a matter of seconds that he would order it, and his order will be obeyed, and these things will be done, which which was like impossible um, otherwise. So he had that possession because he he had such power, uh, and it was not like something. Spiritual power, but because he was a strong king mm-hmm. and he had influence on people, so these people worked for him and they found pleasure in working for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and somebody who who was not able to work for him or uh, was delayed, for example, um, he he would be question questionable and he would be accountable for why something has not been done. It's just mm-hmm. like nowadays it happens in the governments that okay, yeah, uh, but, you, 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 but he resigned, right? Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, uh, because he was the king and he was also a prophet of God. Mm. Um, so, so the thing is that the jinn has as various means. Uh, various different meanings, mm-hmm. and uh, you can interpret it the the way you are. But one thing is for sure: that there is there is no creation uh, who would come and interfere with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they might be living their own lives, mm-hmm. but they they can't or you cannot control them in order to interfere somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. So as the so uh, so unlike say for instance in Christianity when we talk about witchcraft. Yeah. and being possessed by an evil spirit. Yeah. They are two separate things. Absolutely. Because uh, the Islamic way, I suppose, of describing, you know, described it perfectly uh, in terms of the jinn, in uh, the Islamic point of view, is that actually there are things that the human eye cannot see. Um, you know, there's you know, subatomic at- uh, atoms or subatomic uh, size, you can't see something. I mean, yeah, I can't see yeah. the, I can't see the text here, and I'm sure that's like at least eleven, <laughs> right, uh, in front of me in the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, w- you know, that given, you know, that is a logical explanation of, I suppose, um, natural phenomena with which w- the eye cannot see. So that's where there's that, I suppose, dividing line between what we believe in as jinn in the Islamic point of view. Uh, and is totally uh, logical in that sense when given that uh, explanation uh, as apropos versus 
having said, oh, this person is possessed. Right? You, see, you see, the witchcraft, witchcraft is something different. Okay, witchcraft means that there's a perceived facility to summon evil spirits mm-hmm. and demons to do harm to others. Uh, and it is it, it was linked to um, religion to the extent uh, in the uh, you know in the medieval church times they had the powers to punish those who dabbled in magic and sorcery mm-hmm. and its priests were able to uh, exorcise those who had become possessed by malign spirits so in, in fact the church controlled this for for a long time and in fact if they would say oh this uh, such a such person and particularly the elderly ladies, they suffered a lot because mm-hmm. they would blame somebody, oh, she is doing a witchcraft, she's a witch, mm-hmm. and she would be punished for that. Yeah. And um, and particularly, they also had an idea that um, the because the children are vulnerable, so they, these, these demons or these evil spirits, they possess the children and they mm-hmm. walk through them mm-hmm. and 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 then they will you know uh, they will point out at somebody that he is doing this witchcraft and uh, and he has been possessed by a demon and in order to get rid of that demon they you, you they would take people to uh, uh, sort of different sorts of tortures and uh, and uh, and, and a lot of suffering people went through just because they were blamed. Even up, uh, up to a very recent um, days, you can see that the, the, there has been incidences where people have been blamed. And uh, um, uh, you were telling me earlier about uh, about a, lay, uh, a girl mm-hmm. uh, who was... Yes, uh, um, well, I, uh, we're trying to get a hold of uh, Moore Diem, who is actually the uh, co-founder and director of the Victoria uh, Klimby. Uh, foundation in the UK and uh, she actually uh, really suffered I mean she uh, if I can go and find the the news article uh, back in 19 uh, sorry back in 2000 uh, a child of eight Victoria uh, was uh, was killed uh, and by her her aunt and she was uh, killed by her aunt and actually um, the reason being was that uh, she had been possessed? Yeah, and beca- uh, 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 the, the reason was that somebody had told the parents that, that she has been possessed, and mm-hmm. that's why she's been. And they were they were they were doing like acts of uh, um, sort of cruelty upon her. And, and these these are the signs which I think that generally people should know that um, this is how people try to to get rid of the demons. Because they they will starve the child, they will not give them food, they mm-hmm. will torture them, yeah. they will make them suffer, they will make and particularly even if if even if they don't do anything, I just tell them that you are a witch, you know, mm. uh, or, or you are possessed, or you say you see what would be the feeling of that child, mm. you know. So so th- so they, they, they you can imagine. I mean, even even if you were uh, an adult and you were like, saying, yeah, yeah, I even, think even I think you're possessed or whatever it may be, yeah. um, you'd feel some kind of ma- you know. What are you talking about, right? I yeah. think it's also a blame game if you think about it. Like, mm-hmm. as in, when you don't understand, for example, a child or anyone's action or why they're doing something, you automatically might, because you don't have some sort of reasoning to how they're behaving, you can say, you know, maybe it's something to do 
with the jinn or something, some mm-hmm. medieval thing that's gone into the child and that's why they're acting like that. And sometimes it's just human nature that when you don't find a reason or you don't have an explanation or something, mm-hmm. you just kind of, you know, pick point and it gives you a satisfaction. Oh, this is the reason why they're doing it. Yeah. And if you don't have a reason for something that's going on, naturally as humans, we do get confused and we don't understand that mm-hmm. concept. So I think maybe that could be also a reason why this whole witchcraft concept has but come. But the, th- the thing is, yeah, to take it to the extreme of actually child abuse, you would have thought that your rational abilities would, like, say, look, yeah, come on. Um, but I suppose the third party here, and uh, I think Dr. Budger was like saying regarding Victoria Kleinby, yeah, was that it was upon the a preacher saying that actually your child has been possessed, mm-hmm. and these this is how we can get rid of that demon, and you know. I wouldn't say it's understandable because I can't understand it myself. The thing is that, you know, it was such a cruel act that uh, the government had to pass uh, various acts in the parliament in, o- in order to, you know, get uh, get it under control. And in the 16th century, you know, people, they believed that witchcraft was more effective rather than thinking of the, you say, it's a God's will, it's, it's the, that's the reason why it is happening. Like, for example, if there was unexpected illness, there was some death of uh, somebody and how the bad harvest and mm-hmm. th- and the death of cattle um so so people blamed it to a witch and then then there was a business which was created like witch hunting yeah mm-hmm. there were there were people who would say oh th- this is a witch job and we will find it out for you and i mean i watched i watched <laughs> the witcher on netflix <laughs> recently right and i thought wow right that's that's not a bad job to be in if you can be but yeah that's I mean, I, I joke about it, but the seriousness of it is that ultimately it's children are getting abused because of it. And, you know, that that's the seriousness of, of this. And the problem with that is that, uh, I mean, explaining the reasons behind child abuse, and unfortunately it's linked to faith. Um, Levin Bartholomew, who is the head of the National F. GM Centre said, we know faith-based abuse is often linked to when families experience some kind of misfortune, of which you know, we've, we've said, you know, I think and he said like it's almost like a blame game. Um, whether it is a child with a disability or parental mental health, or when some of these families experience exclusion because of poverty for economic reasons. Now, continuing, he said, you know, they try to make sense of what they are experiencing through a lens where they have this belief system, where there is this spiritual realm, and what happens there has an impact on what happens here. So that's where I think that there's this leap of unfortunate fantasy, really, and that you are blaming your misfortunes, wherever they be uh, economic misfortunes, you've lost your job, uh, whether they be, you know, you've given birth, and, you know, unfortunately, your child has a disability. So, you know, you would have thought that, well, you know, we're in the 21st century now, yeah, you'd got past that. The technology, say, for instance, the example is that you actually you've given birth and your child has a deformity or has a disability, right? Yeah. You would have thought, actually, if you went underwent testing, you would find maybe it's a genetic fault. Maybe it's something to do with uh genealogy right That's true. but you would jump away from the fact that actually no you know what it's because you were entered by a demon 
and you had a demon spirit. I think nowadays, especially what you said about geneal- genealogy and um, it being um, a defect or any kind of, um, um, you just call it an illness, mm-hmm. I think people jump away from it nowadays because it's seen as um, an omen. People would like r- turn away from those people. They would shun that family or, and people see it as a type of, uh, I don't know how you'd say bestie in English, but um, uh, <laughs> uh, like a nastiness. Nastiness. Right? nastiness yeah, right. Yeah. right. So yeah. it becomes a back chat. Yes, it becomes a back chat. And you become the, the, the I would say, you'd be dishonored in society. Or dishonored in society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you see as well, like you said, uh, the 16th century, I think, like even nowadays, yeah, economically. Not- yeah, we, we, we've got uh, uh, our uh, next guest. Uh, uh, oh, yes. It will be very interesting to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He he has uh, served uh, a long time, many, many years in the Gambia and the Senegal. And he has had the experience with the people who actually, um, um, from believing in, in the witchcraft, mm. and they were, because um, in Africa there is a tendency that people do mm. uh, a lot It's of more that. prevalent now. So, yeah. so, so let, let's uh, speak to him. Is mm-hmm. uh, Manover Khurshid, uh, who, who is, uh, um, he has been in charge of, uh, and uh, president of, in the country of the Gambia and the Senegal. Uh, he is with us uh, today. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be on you, Manover Khurshid Sahib. <laughs> How are you this afternoon? Alhamdulillah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Uh, very well. So we are to- talking about, and uh, just uh, mentioned about the Gambia. You have lived, um, I-, I think you have lived in Africa in, in, uh, for uh, how many years is it? Uh, 30 years roughly. About 30 years. So obviously you have yes. got a, and uh, we are speaking today about the witchcraft. So, yes, so what are like, uh, you know, um, your experience of Africa uh, and witchcraft, uh, uh, can you tell us uh, about your experiences there? <coughs> Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum assalam. Peace be on you. Jazakallah. You gave me a chance to express something about this very interesting topic. Uh, physically, it is uh, the human being every uh, clever person he plays he make fun of other people who is weaker than him in any, any aspect <laughs> so some people they get a different kind of uh, not knowledge just cleverness <laughs> and they fool others right uh, in Africa people are very very simple very very simple very innocent <laughs> And if you go to Africa, you will see uh, people, those people, they have little knowledge. They are far, they are richer than public. Mm. Because they don't want to work and they don't know how to work. This is the easiest way for them to get money, to fool others. Okay. Mm. All the big properties in Africa, in Senegal, for example, Gambia, it belongs to such people. Right. They call themselves Marabu, Peer, Fakir, etc. There's so many names for them. Mm-hmm. But as for public concerns, they are very innocent. If you used to go to Africa, every child which is born, he has so many, how do you say, Tavis. Mm. Okay? In their neck, in their, on the leg, on the head, everywhere. 
but the number the children die in the world africa is number 1 mm-hmm. while other people like european like ahmadis for example they don't believe such thing they they are thank god they are <laughs> far better than those people right mm. if you go to africa for example and you see a car accident there are so many tawis tied with cars also to save them from accident if uh, there are two wrestlers there are wrestling in a big uh, you know <laughs> place mm-hmm. every wrestler has maybe 2 to 300 tawis under the body all right okay so, so this tawis is something which is written in a with a form of a piece of paper ah, and this this is ilm asrar oh okay <laughs> but it's nothing there it's just nothing i tell you once uh, i met a peer like this mm-hmm. so you know what well, i have been with them i know their philosophy i can read their features i can know what kind of person is this because of my experience with those people mm-hmm. i i just immediately i know which tribe he is and mm-hmm. uh, how many how, how how is his family better at home and so many things i can assess from their face because i'm a long experience association with those people mm-hmm. so one one day i was many time happened so i i used make fun of those people mm-hmm. and at then they they when i tell them something without my you know my knowledge not something in knowledge as you like this thing just my guess mm-hmm. so it come true to show you are a great scholar you are a great scholar can mm-hmm. you get get us as a, as a, as a student with we can pay you money you okay. know one peer offered me a house Okay. He mm. said, "Billai, I give you my house. You just teach me this this thing." <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so there are so many things. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you one day uh, I was uh, I was teaching in school as well. I was a missionary and I was teaching in school also. Mhm. They were Ahmadiyya high school. Mm-hmm. So most of the students they were non-Ahmadi. Mhm. and uh, they asked me question about this tawis <laughs> so i told them it is just nothing there no jinn no is a thing just a drama is fraud people are doing you in the name of islam so they say no 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 we have very very big people they you know they have you uh, there are so many beliefs about such things there are jinn and this and that i told them nothing i gave an example So then anyhow he one student said you know in my town I have a gentleman who can become a lion Okay mm-hmm. and, and, what, and, okay. and did he become a lion <laughs> Yes so I told him that which he said my town is Georgetown ah. in Gambia Mhm or oh, luckily I was missing Georgetown also for some time Right I said who was he said Suleiman Hydra Okay. Hydra means the uh, Shri family, you know, Sayyid family, Shah family. Okay. Hydra mm. is uh, in Pakistan is a Sayyid, Shah Sahib, etc. Descendants of the Holy Prophet may be speaking. Yeah. So I one day I went there. Mhm. So I met Sulaiman Hydra. I say Sulaiman, I am very impressed. You can become lion. Okay. He said how? I say somebody told me the one gentleman told me that you can become lion sometimes. Okay. He laughed. 
and loved. Mm-hmm. He said he was an Ustaz. He believed Ustaz to me as a Murabi. He said, Ustaz. He said, Ustaz, if we don't fool such people, eh, how come we can earn money? <laughs> you're okay. So, so what you're so, saying, Manawa Saab, is uh, Imam Manawa. What you're saying is that actually there is no witchcraft. It's all just uh, con men. It's, drama. it's, it's just all con it's men in in in, oh, yeah. in, in, in in Gambia. Completely, completely. But isn't that so? So that's born of the fact that the population there is yeah. just uh, lacking in education. Yes. 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 So how are so, you? How are you able to convince those people that you know there is only one God and He has the control; nobody else has. And, you know, physically, even uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a few days back, there was a program on NPA. Mm-hmm. So one of our uh, my student mm-hmm. from the Gambia, now he's Mashallah Ansarullah. He's in, in Ansarullah and he's in, in playing the, a leading role in, in Ansarullah. As well, he's a custom officer, big custom officer. So he was narrating his story the how I became Ahmadi. Hello? Assalamu alaikum? Yeah, yeah, carry on. Okay. We're with you. You're listening? Oh, okay. yes, we are. So he told uh, on FTA yeah. that how he accepted Ahmadi. Okay. And he told the same story which happened to with me. Right. He said, when I was school and I was not Ahmadi, there was a debate in my class about this, this jinn, etc. Mm-hmm. And Taweez, etc. and such issues. Right. So my teacher, he mentioned my name. He said, Ustaz Manover, he was uh, telling him, us no. So then there was a big marabu in nearby <laughs> village called Masnani Kunda. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, go to the marabu and have a debate there. That time, he said, I was not Ahmadi. Okay. But uh, I was surprised that uh, the missionary who was not Pakistan, who was not from Africa, he was a Pakistani, he was alone, he said, let's go, no problem. So mm-hmm. the confidence he had in his belief, it was wonderful. It impressed me. Then when we went there to the Marabu's house, he has a gun there. And he, I said that I heard that you say, I, if somebody has a tawiz, he has tied something on arm or leg, etc., hmm. the gun will not shoot him. He hmm. said, yes, of course, here's my gun. I said, okay, let me, uh, if, I, if I shoot you, you lie, I, I, I know, 100% know you, but I don't want to kill him, kill him myself. I kill you and kill myself as well. There's no logic in that. Let's go to market and I'll buy a sheep who tie hundred juju there, then give me gun. If the goat die, you pay the money. If it doesn't die, then I will pay for that. He said, no, no, I, will, I can't. He's a Mr. Sonko, the student, he was with me, Nan Ahmadi. Mm-hmm. He he was saying that when I saw this drama, this debate, yeah. this discussion, or oh, how that man ran away, mm-hmm. so then I say I, I I thought this is all fraud. Right. Then right. he so started. Yeah. I say I started uh, investigating about Ahmadiyat, and I became Ahmad. That's mm-hmm. great. Awesome.
No, that's a very good story there, Munawazab. Um, it's a, been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for You're joining welcome. us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show. Okay, welcome, sir. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank okay. you. God bless you. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome, sir. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at voiceofislam.co.uk uh, especially join in if you you, know, you feel that you've been possessed sometimes I do um, but uh, we're going to go straight away to our next guest but before that right we do have um, you know just that question actually I think Anise was like, asking a question you know what is Tawiz Tawiz right does anyone know Basically, um, ah, so you've asked yourself a question which you know the answer to. <laughs> no, Very <yeah>. clever. <laughs> <laughs> no, in that sense, but um, just it's a simple uh, explanation which people um, even use till this day. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you've seen um, that, for example, for the evil eye mm-hmm. uh, in Turkey, they use this yeah. blue pendant, for example. That's right, yeah. And so the, that's the best way to explain it. So till this day, so you see people saying that this will protect me from the evil eye, uh. and that's basically. Or you see sometimes people will have this black little um, mm. not a bracelet but it's made out of strings or some stuff or yeah. and it's, it's, they think yeah. that that protects them from the omen so that's what basically a Taoist is. is yeah so in Chinese culture we have these uh, pictograms exactly the same you just write uh, apparently a spell and then you'll become you know either rich famous or you know handsome Something like that. Did it work on you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the truth is in front of your eyes. (laughs) Neither. That's why I don't believe in those kind of things. But anyway, we're joined by our next guest uh, regarding this. Uh, We have uh, Imam Mubasha Zafri, who is a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Peace be upon you, uh, Imam Mubasha. Thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon on the Drive Time Show. Uh, sorry, Abdul, peace be upon you all as well. Thank you for having me. No, no, uh, it's a pleasure. So, you know, we're talking about witchcraft and, you know, the unfortunate ramifications of witchcraft in the 21st century, uh, resulting un- ultimately in child abuse uh, in this country. But did early religions teach witchcraft? I mean, if not, how did religious innovation become part of uh, part of religion? Uh, absolutely. So, uh, as we all all are aware, that uh, religion uh, actually came, or prophets who brought these religions came to uh, identify this living God mm-hmm. and bring mankind to this living God. And uh, all of these prophets who brought these religions, they taught uh, of a, a single being, which of course we may know by the name of God, and they uh, taught unity of Allah Almighty or God Almighty. So, from the very in- inception of these religions, there was no such indication towards uh, magic or witchcraft. Uh, the essence was that uh, there is a being, uh, a higher being, which is known as God, who is the creator of life and death, and it is in his hands to either give you something or take away something from you. Uh, unfortunately, as uh, time passes by, with the passage of time, People started, of course, bringing in new things, and things were added to the religious teachings. And the the, the way that witchcraft was uh, initiated is that people started uh, thinking that their misfortune, they started attributing their misfortunes, uh, their losses, their uh, things that they had uh, faced, uh, trials, tribulations, ailments, uh, diseases 
to these witch uh, to these uh, spells. They started thinking that you know there was someone behind it who was causing this, mm-hmm. uh, and they attributed this to witchcraft, uh, thinking that you know spells were being casted against them, uh, and this is how this uh, began and crept into religious ideology. Mm-hmm. Though uh, in its original form, a religion never taught uh, of witchcraft or spells or black magic. Or, or such things. It was always yeah, very right. predominantly uh, attributed towards Allah Almighty that He is the one who gives life and takes away life, and He is the one who uh, gives you all the benefits. And ultimately, it is Allah Almighty who is in control of everything. But of course, as I mentioned, when people started deviating from uh, its uh, actual teachings, from religion's actual teachings, and started attributing things to wrongful things, that's how these ideologies, ideologies began to creep into religious mm, teachings. Mm. And so, I mean, with that, why is it the case that, you know, we, we started off the, the program and unfortunately, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, how in the 21st century that uh, we still have this, or, you know, there's this excuse, this fallacy of witchcraft to blame uh, for misfortune, whether it be economic or physical misfortune, I mean, why is that? Why why has that still not been, or why does this still linger on then in society? Absolutely, it's it's down to the lack of knowledge, uh, ignorance, and also um, it's something that if you hear over and over and over again, it's something that is deep rooted within you, and we see that uh, this is something that is very. Uh, prominent in um, the third world countries where there is a lack of uh, education um, a lot of things are attributed to such a rich path which have perfect explanations through science mm-hmm. uh, through through the fields of through the field of um, biology um, and it's just a lack of understanding <coughs> that what it is mm-hmm. uh, and unfortunately people who um, want to seek power, especially in the subcontinent. We know of the bees and those who. Uh, yeah, I think we were talking. You know, talk. Yeah, with our previous guest, Mano- uh, Imam Manawa. But uh, yeah, they basically they're con men, really. They're Absolutely. Just, uh, charlatans or shysters, I think, is the, is the, yeah, yeah. Is, the is the terminology. Absolutely, um, it's just to control the populace. It's 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 a way of um, uh, in, you know creating fear amongst the mm. vulnerable and taking money from them Extorting in the most them. heinous mm-hmm. way and mm. that's what it is um, and because people are you know are unaware or have such uh, systems of belief that they fall trapped to mm-hmm. such predators and mm. though there's perfect explanation uh, other you know elsewhere they fall trapped to these bees and these mm. people who can't and yeah, I suppose it's just the easier, easier out. You know, it's the easy, you know, like uh, easy way out. Said, uh, before. You know, it's like a blame game, and then th- that actually falls in line with their own kind of belief system. I think we've got another question. Yeah, um, Imam Bashir, um, I wanted to ask. So, uh, in regards to witchcraft, you said you know people start blaming it whenever some sort of misfortune comes in. So, for society at large, why is uh, this belief harmful? The belief in witchcraft. Why is it so harmful? <coughs> Again, uh, the, one of the most fundamental things is that as a religious um, community, as a religious uh, ideology that we hold, that you know there is a love of Almighty who is the 
creator of everything and he's one and alone and he has power over everything um, and we attribute all of these all the matters of life ultimately to him and you know even at the death of someone you know the the highest form of calamity is ultimately death and even at that point we attribute ourselves to Allah and we say that surely you know it is, we are for Allah and surely to who to him we return but even in that we are taught that there is a higher being now if we start taking small little things such as death or misfortune or whatever it may be and we start attributing it to beings apart from Allah the Almighty we are ultimately committing shirk uh, which is associating part of Allah the Almighty and that is so detrimental for the faith system uh, because of course uh, we claim that Islam is a, a true religion it's a religion which uh, if acted upon properly will have all the solutions to the problems of the world now if we uh, if we basically deviate from its core teaching of the unity of Allah Almighty uh, we are essentially giving up everything and all the solutions that Islam could give we are moving away from uh, and it's not just Islam even other religions uh, that teach uh, the powers of God and teach about uh, the being of God Almighty, uh, their purpose would be also lost. Mm. Um, and we will be attributing things to people that have no um, control over anything. And again, uh, ultimately, when we look at the third world countries, we will be uh, you know, going through the same sort of thing where uh, you know, the vulnerable people would be uh, just exploited. At danger and will mm -hmm. be exploited by such people who know better and who have a deep understanding and people will suffer from that that's why it's so essential and you know it's imperative that we have a deep understanding of where all of this comes from and why it's so deep rooted within certain communities and where it you know why it's so uh, important to some people and how we can take them away from that and what the answer that Islam gives <coughs> and so it's, it's important that we also play a vital role uh, in you know giving out the key information that is required for people to deviate, uh, to move away from such ideologies mm. yeah, um, I have a question as well um, if you wouldn't mind um, Mr. Zafri um, you see uh, you said that people who are innocent they get extorted etc but they have a very strong belief system in these um, type of things like witchcraft, these Taoists, all these things that we mentioned earlier. So how would you deal with that? How would you get them to change their mind about that if they are so strong in their beliefs? Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> the thing is that Islam, again, we always come back to Islam. And Islam always gives a practical example. Uh, we know that even in the time of the Holy Prophet wasallam people had very strong beliefs regarding sihr, which is also known as magic or black magic and the the, the, the Arabs at that time very, were very staunch in their beliefs when it came to witchcraft uh, or sorcery um, but we see that the Holy Prophet uh, peace be upon him was able to transform them from being you know, from having such ideologies to then becoming Unitarians and becoming the flag bearers of Islam and flag bearers of the unity of Allah Almighty and he gave practical examples and the thing is, is it's again it's for us to make them realize that these spells that you're speaking of or these witches that you're speaking of do not exist uh, essentially 
a lot of the world uh, in this day and age, a lot of the people who I learned who have um, some inclination towards science and have a deep understanding of how the world works, uh, they, 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 they don't believe in such things. Uh, they don't believe in witchcraft, they don't believe in ghosts and jinns and all the things that, um, you know, such people believe in. They have no no attribution towards that. They have no link towards it, uh, with it. Um, and this is how we can slowly, you know, educate them that what you're doing is absolutely wrong. Uh, Islam tells us that there is one being that has, who is accountable for our, you know, life, for our death. And there's nothing... Uh, that um, comes in his way, um, and it's and the thing is you can't um, change their narrative overnight. It's something that has to be done, uh, you know, gradually, uh, speaking to them uh, over and over again, and showing them different examples. Um, and the thing is that all these witchcraft and sorcery, they of course they are false, and there's no truth behind it. And eventually, when we when when you expose that. Uh, it's only then that they'll understand that you know what they've been uh, believing in has no truth behind it. Imam Bashir, there was a, a famous incident about Sir Zafrullah Khan. You know, he the, as a child, you there there was a story related to that, um, and and there was somebody involved in witchcraft when he was very. Uh, I think when he was uh, he was not even born. As a story about his uh, his mother, um, can you share that with us? Absolutely. So, Chaudhry uh, Rafiullah Khan Sahib, who is a very key and prominent member of the Amdi Muslim community, he um, had three siblings before him who passed away at a young age, and as he has mentioned in his uh, in his um, <clears throat> book in his uh, uh, biography that he's written on his mother. In the very beginning, he speaks about this trial that she faced and the sort of faith that she had in uh, in Allah Almighty, and he explains that um, when he when she had uh, her first child, um, she went to visit her parents, and there was this lady, a, a widowed woman there, Jay Devi, uh, and she, uh, of course, once came and said to. Uh, the mother of Zafrullah Khan said that uh, if you don't give me some money and if you don't do this, your child will pass away and you will not go back uh, to your house with this child. And of course, Jodhi uh, Zafrullah Khan Sahib's mother, she had utmost belief in Allah Almighty. She did not believe in any of this witchcraft. And she said, and she replied to her that, look, I believe in Allah Almighty. He has power over everything. He is the one who causes death, he is the one who brings life, and if he desires and wills that this child should no longer live, then that's completely down to him, but I am not going to give you anything. Mm-hmm. If you had come to me saying that look, I'm poor, I need, I'm in need of uh, help, I would have helped you out, but since you have taken the matters of life and death in your own hand, I, I cannot help you. So she returned, uh, Jaden went, and before she could even walk out of the door, uh, the child fell ill, and within moments, the child passed away. Now, this now this left, uh, you know, an impact on Jodhi Zafrullah Khan Sahib's mother. Now, when she bore another child, uh, she saw a dream that Jay Devi was there again, and she was asking for the same sort of thing, and a similar sort of um, 
prophecy you could say was made that you know if you not got you won't go back to your house without uh you know without you you'll be going back to your house without the child the child will not survive and you, you must remember this was a dream uh and it so happened that uh, the second child also uh was um you know he he faced a seizure and he passed away in a very similar manner as the first child uh vomited blood and in a few moments he passed away uh at the third time she bore a daughter uh and again in a dream uh, jay davy appeared and joseph uh, philosopher's mother said to jay davy that when will you leave me alone and she said that i will come on the 13th and then i will come on the 17th and then i will i shall not return now this again was a dream and it so happened that uh, the uh, daughter was born and uh, 17 or 13 days after this dream uh, a child was born a girl was born and only 17 days had passed since her, her birth when she also uh, passed away now this is again some of my thing this is you know uh, witchcraft or, or you know the jadeli had some to do something to do with it but we must remember that Joseph Allah Khan Sahib's mother always had this faith in Allah Almighty that it is Allah and I think it is Allah who rewarded her for that that uh, she got a son like Joseph Allah Khan Sahib who Absolutely. was uh, who Absolutely. reached the peak of uh, you know all the different careers uh, he was a companion of the promised messiah al-islam he was the first foreign minister pakistan he was also head of the united nations uh, assembly he headed that at one stage as well so all that blessings is just mm-hmm. because she had a very firm faith in god almighty and nothing else thank you very much mushir uh, zafri sahib uh, to join us uh, this afternoon it was a player uh, and uh, you have very eloquently spoken about the topic and uh, jazakallah In terms of Islam, you know, what can we say as regards to witchcraft? I mean, you know, is is there is there any I mean, I think already uh Imam Mubashir was I saying clearly there is no link, not just link, but is there any room for the notion of witchcraft uh in Islam? Any um, of course, and not because as um Imam Mubashir was saying that all the attributes that we take to God Almighty that he is the most powerful he mm. has w- whatever he wills will happen so when we give such being or such a thing that power we are at the end uh, committing shirk which is associating partners mm. with god which is completely wrong and that's why they could never ever be room for such mm-hmm. thing or such a notion ever and um in regards to any belief that you have like as um, the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him said that you know god will be only merci- god will be merciful to those who are merciful to the human beings mm-hmm. to mankind and you know how we've read such stories where you know there was violent actions against you know whoever they thought was um, possessed possessed etc mm-hmm. so you know in any case in any scenario no such thing no such um vile actions is acceptable in islam mm-hmm. Yeah no so with that we draw a close to our show today uh, a big thank you goes to our producers Nadia Shams uh, Pavesh Sharma and Safia Amir uh, our technicians in the back Habib Saab and uh, my fellow hosts Dr Bajra uh, Dr Tariq Bajra Munib and Anis uh, peace and blessings to our listeners out there uh, please join us again tomorrow at 4:00 for Thursday's edition of the drive time show